Okay, welcome to the United Pubcast for an episode we didn't want to be doing, but um, sort of typifies our Monday. I've seen some people in the chat. We might as well just get straight into it. No point asking how everyone is because it is a Monday and yeah, a shocking Monday. There's no hiding from us. So I'll just go with a few comments from um, some suckers from punish- suckers for punishment in the live chat waiting for this misery. Um, George saying, here we go, hours later and still feel the same. I don't know where to begin. Yeah, and I think that's a good sp- sort of spot to begin. I, I think we feel exactly the same way. There is so much to break down. Um, Ahmad saying, why does it feel like a loss? And we'll get into it, but it does. Like it, The frustration, luckily we're recording this, what, 12 hours after the actual game because if we're recording this um, post-match, I remember going scrolling through our group chat sort of thing, it would have been the last thing I wanted to do. We could have very well got kicked off YouTube. Uh, a few more comments. Um, George saying, good evening all except Martial and Fred, and I'm, I'm sure Fred will dominate some of the discussion. And um, Rob saying, hey, evening, lads, I need this therapy session. So um, we'll try, try get, there's a lot of people in the comments there, so we'll, we'll try and get through as many as we can. But, um, look, Claire, I've been talking for a minute. Um, where do you start? That first comment from George, where do you want to start? Because there is so much to dissect, unfortunately, for the wrong reasons. Yeah, I think let's dissect where it went wrong. And the let's remove the emotion from it. Let's talk about the actual game. Southampton didn't do anything out of shock. Um, I think we all knew their system coming in uh, and we knew that they were a high-pressing team and their manager is known as like a like a budget clock. He, he plays a very similar style, he, German, you know, lazy comparison, but it's very similar styles. And I think what Southampton did is almost what we expected Leeds to do. Um, the difference here is the midfield um the midfield is where it stops and th- this midfield is where it starts and stops for me. And I think that was the point of failure in this game. You can you, look, you can criticize Martial and he was poor. I'm not going to detract from that. In saying that, everything that went wrong with that game stemmed from the defense and the midfield. Um, I'm sure you're going to bring it up, Tom, and I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your toes. That's the worst game I've seen Harry Maguire play in a good while. He was not good. Um, the midfield is crucially wrong. And I'm sure there's a player that you want to get into and I'll leave that for you. But it just really, really highlights. You can put the fancy toys of Rafael Varane and Jaden Sancho, and yet they're great acquisitions to the squad. But midfield is the engine room of a football team and it's the middle. It's where everything transitions. If we can't get that deep, and it just showed that this game really highlighted the need for investment in that position. We cannot we cannot dream of winning anything if we're going to go into games with Fred and Matic, Fred and McTominay, Matic, McTominay. We, we need a world-class player in that position. Well, you talk about sort of, and we'll get into individual performances in a bit, but you talk about Maguire saying one of these poor performances, obviously Fred and Matic, et cetera. And you say it stems from the defence, it stems from midfield. But ultimately, before that, does it just generally stem from the team selection, which falls at the doorstep of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? And look, at the start of the season, I think you do have to take into account in terms of the lack of pre-season. So players are still getting fit type of thing, which is why there is sort of naturally a little bit of sort of rotation in this early part of the season because some people need minutes to get back. You obviously saw the game against Burnley. So I understand sort of Solskjaer's sort of reasoning for trying to sort of throw about some rotation, even though a lot of our opinion would say it's the wrong rotation. But um, we'll get into the individual performances. But what do you lay on the doorstep of Solskjaer here in regards to the team selection? Because, look, I share everyone's frustrations in regards to the, tax, the tactics of two defensive midfielders, 4-2-3-1. I fully understand that. But in terms of the way the sort of game, the, the way it played out, 
no real criticisms of Solskjaer. I, it was solely on the plate. Now, Solskjaer de- definitely has a lot to sort of, sort of a lot of questions raised at him, but there was nothing. Well, I thought the substitutions were not bang on, but those substitutions were sort of what you'd call for. The Lingard one may be a little bit surprising, but he did take off a defensive midfielder to put on an attacking midfielder. The context around Lingard's situation with him being fit, etc., or potentially out of the club, that's another debate. But the substitutions of Jaden Sancho for Marshall, that made sense. So I thought Solskjaer's management of the game was fine. United, as woeful as we were, still should have won the game. Southampton were twice as bad. So United... The performance feels like it was deserving of a loss, but ultimately we should have won. We did enough to win the game. Um, the yeah. quality obviously let us down. So how much of this are you putting at the doorstep of Solskjaer? Um, not a whole heap, to be honest. I think there's definitely a percentage. So if you, you know, I'm not going to give you a number here, but he, he has to take an element of blame because what you're saying is spot on around the team selection. Why Van der Bake didn't play in this game? Now, I know last season we said, you know, it's an easing in period. Maybe he has lacks physicality, all of that commentary. But if you're looking at what was United's issue yesterday, it was playing from the back. The amount of times where we got exposed with uh, Maguire, Lindelof and Wambasaka, particularly those two players really got found out. Um, and then it goes into Fred, who's a nightmare back to goal. You, you look at how do you counter that? Van der Beek, he ticks all those boxes, Tom. His technical, his awareness of, of where he is on the football pitch his ability to understand when he's being pressed and his ability, crucially, to get away from that. Fred knows when he's getting pressed, but Fred can't do anything about it. His ability doesn't allow him to do anything. Van der Beek has the ability to turn away from a defender. He's got And he's got a wonderful passing range. I just, for the life of me, I understand it's a rotation game. I know it's the second game of the season. Van der Beek's played enough football to say he should have started this game. Considering Fred had no offseason, Van der Beek should have been starting in this game. And for that, I, I, I do square that at the at the feet of Oli. Yeah, no, well, we'll get into Van der Beek in a bit, but just a few more comments here. Jamie, one of our listeners from Northern Ireland, good morning, mate. Um, well, it's not a good evening here. It's obviously nighttime here, but um, hopefully your Monday is a little bit better. Um, Adam saying you can transition through a midfield if you have Lindelof um, directing the midfield. Jonathan saying need to move away from the double pivot, don't have the personnel for it. George obviously saying the same thing in terms of free Van der Beek. Um, hustle and no filter. Matic was quality a few, a few years back and he's too slow. Now, why did we buy Varane and Sancho? Um, did we buy them for display? Start them. And look, I think that's another debate. I, I have no issue with it. I understand the frustration with sort of wanting to see them. I fully agree. I wanted to see them both start. It's the second game of the season. I was having a chat with a few people. In terms of the result, that doesn't bother me too much, the result. Yes, it's frustrating, but... So say it's a weight Southampton in early April in a title chase, in a title race, and we get a one-all draw. Something, well, that might be a good result. In the second game of the season, when you want to continue this good form, it looks like a horrible result. But we're, we're going to have far worse results than that this season. We're going to lose to worse teams at Old Trafford this season than getting a draw at Southampton. I remember, look, our last title win, we lost to Everton. Marouane Fellaini scored against United in our first game of the season. I remember celebrating a 2-2 draw against Leicester City at Old Trafford on the first day of the season. What happened that season went on to win the treble. So the result itself, a draw against Southampton, I've got no issue with. The performance is obviously concerning, and I think that's the more sort of important matter. But just on that, in regards to Nemanja Matic, okay, Fred, I don't want to even get into Fred. We know the issues with him. It was the first time with Matic, though, and it wasn't a pace thing. It wasn't, oh, he's lost his legs or he's too old or anything. It was just in terms of ability. Matic was making the mistakes Fred was making. Like, or, or Fred is used to making. And I was just thinking, I've never seen that from Matic. I can understand having a bad game, but this was Fred-like mistakes, which, 
look, I'm just going to put it down to a bad game um, because he has been very good lately, but it was weird to see. And ultimately, if the frustration is high, it is concerning. Yeah, no, I do agree there. Yeah, Matic is known for being reliable, if nothing else. Keeping the ball. Some he, The amount of passes he just displaced yesterday, baffling. That was probably his worst game since the Everton 4-0 when Oli first took over Matic. Yeah, I, I don't know, Tom. I just I just really think... But let me ask you then. Like We're saying, you know, Oli... Oli's... Yeah, it, it's his responsibility when you start Van der Beek, etc. Outside of Van der Beek, was there enough attacking options there? It came out uh, McTominay was injured before... Uh, the game, and that's why he actually didn't start. Do you think if McTominay started, it really would have made a difference to that result? So if Fred can't play without McTominay, the football tragics. And look, look, I think that's a look. It's a fair point. Um, in terms, of they do have sort of a connection. They do play well, um, both from sort of the way they complement each other, but the way United set up tactically if they play together. But um, McTominay, I don't think him coming off of Fred, I think, okay, he's better than Fred, but it wasn't a change that's going to change anything. It, McTominay wasn't coming on to win the game. Um, the Lingard sub for Matic, that makes a little bit more sense. While I didn't agree with it, okay, it's a defensive player on for an attacking player. Lingard was shitting goals last year for West Ham. You can see why Solskjaer did that, even though, in my opinion, I'll be bringing sort of one matter on um, ahead of Jesse Lingard. 100% agree. 100% but, um, agree. The, the performance, I, I want to talk about one or two of the defenders in a bit, but just your man in terms of Anthony Martial. Um, Edison Cavani is going to be back soon. And look, I'm a fan of Martial. You're obviously a huge fan of Martial. But at the, at the moment, and when I say at the moment, I mean these two games, which, look, it's early on in the season. But again, um, for large for large chunks of last season, he's not taken his chances. Um, we've said this is do or die season for Martial, which will continue to be so. But at the moment, it's not looking good because Mason Greenwood, make stuff happen up there. Um, even if he doesn't play well or it doesn't come off for him, something's happening. With Anthony Martial, it was like it was like having a bad Lukaku. Obviously, Lukaku did so well for Chelsea, but it was like when Lukaku was up here where the ball just went up to him and it just stuck. It didn't stick and it came back and we're having to defend again. So uh, Martial, um, I've got big concerns now, I think. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. And I can't defend, I can't defend his performances yesterday. What I will say is, and this is just the benefit of the doubt thing, he hasn't played a lot of football. He wasn't part of the preseason. I think he only played. It was only the one match um, from memory. He only had the one match in preseason. He's then had a cameo against, um, who did we verse last week? Leeds. And then he's played against Brentford. So he hasn't played a lot of football. My criticism of Martial, though, he needs to get busy. He, he needs to look in for the ball. Like if, my, my greatest, my, my favorite Manchester United football of all time is Wayne Rooney. And the thing I loved about Rooney, Tom, is even when he was going through the worst patch of form, you would never, ever, ever criticize Wayne Rooney for not getting busy enough. He'd go back, he'd go defend, get a touch of the ball. And that's what you need to do. I just feel like with Martial, if the ball doesn't come to him, he just he's disinterested. He needs to get busier. He's better than that. And and you're right. If he doesn't, if he doesn't lift himself up by the time Cavani's ready to go, his United career is really going to be in question. Yeah, no, no doubt. Just a comment here before we go back. Um, Adam's put a comment here. Um, I think it's in regards to a, another conversation people are having in the chat, but saying Shaw was displacing passes going forward. Now, a lot of people won't like this opinion of mine of Luke Shaw. Well, I haven't got your opinion yet of it, but um, I'm assuming not many people will agree with me and they won't like what I'm going to say. And it's, it's one game. I'm putting this down to a poor performance. Absolutely no issue with Luke Shaw. It's a, it's a bad game all around from everyone. But that performance from Luke Shaw... 
was it was horrible for me. And look, he, I'm not blaming him for the defeat, or not defeat. I'm not blaming him for the result. Of course not. It's a team game, but so much of it stemmed, I thought. And Maddich and Fred have to take responsibility when the ball's at their feet. Fred and Maddich they have to take responsibility for losing the ball. However, I've played in midfield, and your outlet when you're getting the ball, especially off the back four. What dictates what you're going to do is what your fullback's doing. You have to know that your fullback is creating out an outlet, even if they're not going to get the ball. It just creates – it changes the picture in front of you. If if your left back is getting forward, it might give you a little bit more space. Someone has to sit off to sort of cut that pass in lane, so then it'll create a little bit more of an angle. But every time Fred and Maddich will get in the ball, they're looking for that ball for Luke Shaw, and it was just like he was playing under Van Hal and Mourinho – and it was simply lazy. So many times Victor Lindelof had the ball and he was trying to pass to Maguire. And everyone, I could just imagine everyone screaming at their screen saying, give it to Maguire, give it to Maguire, move the ball quicker. The reason Lindelof couldn't get the ball to Maguire is because Shaw was standing flat next to Maguire. So Maguire didn't have that space. Maguire needed Luke Shaw to bomb on to get forward, which would take that striker away from Maguire, who would have to track Luke Shaw a little bit, which would allow Victor Lindelof to play the ball to Maguire, who have a bit more space. But Luke Shaw was just standing there, standing there, standing there. And just I put it down just simply, simply laziness, not getting forward. And it just it, it had a knock-on effect and it really impacted our midfield. And again, when Fred and Matic have the ball, they've got to take responsibility. They're the ones who are losing. I can't blame Luke Shaw solely for that. But um, if I was a midfielder, I would have been tearing strips off Luke Shaw at halftime. He had an arrogant performance, Luke Shaw. He, he dared to go forward when he had the ball. And I, I don't know if you recall this, Tom, but I just every time when it looked like the pass was the obvious option, he'd try to beat a man. Like it's almost just to try to prove a point to himself that he could do it. It, it, was, it was an arrogant performance by Luke Shaw. And he's been great. He's, his last six months of football, fantastic. Can't deter from that. In saying that, what you're saying is correct. He needs to provide the option to his defenders. Fullback 101. Always be open to your centre-backs. Always. He just got a bit lazy to me. Yesterday, I felt the energy was there to bomb forward, but I didn't feel the energy was there off the ball, and I don't feel the energy was there defensively. He needs to concentrate, Luke Shaw. It's not good enough to do it for six months. This is where we talk about the argument of what's a world-class player. A world-class player is about what you can do on a consistent basis. If it was just a highlights reel, Ravel Morrison would be considered world-class still. You know what I mean? So... It's about putting it back to back. Um, I've got concerns all over the pitch, mate. Like Sancho, like and this isn't this is nothing against Jaden Sancho. He's not match fit. It's very clear, and that's why when he came on, he looks sluggish. He looks like fatigued very quickly. He's gonna need time. So our attacking options, as frustrating as they are, they need to come good. And that include when I talk about our attacking options, that includes one Basaka and Ochoa because they contribute massively from the fullback position. Well, the attacking options, yes. If, in terms of if we're looking at those attacking players, whether it be striker or a winger, a lot of it, and it sounds counterproductive, but a lot of it stems from what I was saying in regards to our midfield and our fullbacks working together. That allows Victor Lindelof and Maguire to move the ball quicker, which then when we finally get the, the sort of ball in a space where we can play an attacking player, they have more space. But at the moment, because of the, that movement isn't there from Shaw or the ability is not there from Fred, etc., when we're trying to get the ball to that front three, they're static, so they're not really being able to create something. Any team, but especially United, are at their best when their front three moving with pace, trying to get in behind. And that comes from ball speed from deeper on in the pitch, but that's just not happening for a multitude of reasons, whether it be quality on the ball or, as I said, with Luke Shaw and even Wan-Bissaka. Well, Wan-Bissaka didn't have a bad game. There's obviously limitations with him. If you're a midfielder, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to play that ball out to Wan-Bissaka, but also you're thinking, well, 
is he the great option? Do I really sort of trust him to do what the team needs with the ball? So, look, there are concerns. And it just shows we weren't having this debate last week. So I asked you, are we overreacting a little bit? Because last last week was just all rosy, all positive, where Title 21 is incoming. Obviously, it's a tongue-in-cheek. But it's, it's one draw against Southampton. Like, it, it, there was nothing groundbreaking in regards to it was a shocking team selection or a shocking tactics. For me, it was just a poor performance by the players. Yeah, and I think what is important to highlight, right, and, and this is, yes, giving criticism where it's due, but let's also remember Rashford isn't playing, Cavani is not playing, Alex Tellez is not available. Uh, we've got Martial, look, he was poor, but he's coming in, he's, gonna, he's, he's not match fit. Um, Sancho is not match fit, Rafael Varane sat on the bench. This squad has level, serious levels of improvement in it. We saw it last season, and I think, you know, we're just going to have to accept that this is the current state at the moment, but I think we just need to learn. But the thing is, there's such a massive opportunity for United here because our expectations have have shifted. This was a game last season that I think we would expect a draw, potentially. And I think our expectations now is to close the, close the gap um, at the top. Let's also remember Manchester City lost last week. So we're actually still above them and we all expect them to win the league. This season, I think Chelsea have obviously started very positively. So let's not overreact. But in saying that, I think there is an argument and there should be a conversation about the likes of Juan Basaka, about the likes of Lindelof and Maguire. And Tom, let me ask you on Juan Basaka actually. If we know it's a side where we want to play out from the back, a game where we know we are going to dominate possession, should we not be giving that opportunity to a Diogo Dillon? No, there's definitely a case for that. But, um, Look, I think we get one more goal. So maybe that Martial header gets cleared offline. That goes in, we win 2-1. We're not having a debate about Anthony Martial. And, oh, sorry, Aaron Wan-Bissaka and his attacking performance. I think, look, Diego Delo obviously adds quality and it's that old debate we always say, oh, you can have two players. If you could combine the two players of Delo and Wan-Bissaka, that would be fantastic. But look, attacking the attacking part of the game is so important for Aaron Wan-Bissaka or any Man United fullback. It's such an important sort of trait of the game in terms of getting forward, providing assists, sort of creating an outlet, especially for your winger. But we do defend a lot. Every professional team, even Manchester City, their fullbacks, while you almost treat them as wingers, they still do a lot of defending. And Wan-Bissaka is a very good defender. So it is, you do have to weigh up the sort of options of sort of how much weight you put on the attacking side of the game or how much weight you put on the defensive side of games. So look, we have so many issues with the team, which we weren't discussing last week, but one bad result and here we are discussing them all. Um, we weren't having that debate with Wan-Bissaka last week. Um, I don't think it's really time to be sort of bringing that debate up at the moment. This isn't to say he's a poor player or he's not United Calibre or anything like that. I just think that as part of the evolution of this team, more times than not, like if we're versing Manchester City, Wan-Bissaka is the first name on the team sheet. But I, I just think that there is a time and a place for a certain type of player. We always talk about... This United squad's in a good place when Fred and Maric are your squad players. So if that is the case, then maybe Wambasaka needs to be rotated with a Diogo Delo, someone who's a bit technically better on the ball when we are looking to play out from the back, because that's clearly United's weak point. But debate for another. Look, we'll win ne- if we win next week, we won't be having this discussion. Well, I told everyone when everyone was looking at the fixtures at the start of the season, I was saying, okay, we can win the first five, win the first six games of the season, get off to a good start. I was there saying, okay, yeah, on paper they look kind of easy, but I was thinking I could make a case for every single game besides maybe the Newcastle at home game to be very hard. Look, Leeds on the opening day of the season was an unknown. 
could obviously went work very well for us, but we all saw a scenario where that could have gone wrong. Southampton, their first game in two years in front of fans. Um, and again, if that game's in April or if that game's in March or something, we're, we're thinking away well, at Southampton is a very tough game. Okay, but you suddenly don't think that in early August. Uh, Wolves away, we, we just don't win at Wolves away. So that's going to be a very hard game next week. So these games are, while easy on paper, they're kind of tricky. But just one comment here before we get into um, our 3 2 ones, which we'll definitely need some help from the live comments, I think. Because, well, actually, maybe it'll be interesting. It'll definitely be interesting to get your opinion. But um, the transfer window, um, this comment has just reminded me from George, saying the double pivot is finished, McTominay, Van der Beek and Fernandez in midfield. Now, I don't think we need to discuss Donny Van der Beek. That's a podcast in itself. But we haven't signed a number six. That performance highlighted the need for one, a need for a world-class, well, ideally a world-class one. Again, getting your thoughts in the comments, um, people, who you think is. I, I share everyone's opinion. Yes, we need a defensive midfielder. I just don't know who. Everyone says Basuma and, and Didi. There's no real links there. I can't see that happening. So who, the, the most likely in terms of the name out there is Ruben Neves. Then I say, well, if you're going to play Ruben Neves, a fantastic footballer, play Donny van der Beek there. He's got the same type of attributes. I could play him there. So I just don't know who the defensive midfielder is, but what it did was highlight how much we do need one, whoever it is. I would really support a push for Ruben Neves right now. I was willing to hold off. Like, I don't think he's the perfect solution. But in saying that, I do think that he would complement what United need. Tom, if I said to you off the top of your head, what's United's number one weakness right now? Yeah, well, obviously it's in there, number six. It's it's just the way we play. It's that playing out the back. But you fix that with the calibre of player. And what you're saying is right. You know what? If you could deploy Van der Beek there. If you had the right system that allowed him to do that. He could work, but Oli, for whatever reason, doesn't like, clearly doesn't fancy him. So if that's the case and there's an opportunity to get Ruben Neves for £30 million, get it done. Get get Lingard out if you need to raise funds and bring in Ruben Neves because I think he just evolves the way the team plays. Well, just Adam saying here that he's agreed that Donny van der Beek has bulked up, um, throw him in there, and he obviously has the football intelligence. And I think that's the one. I think... It just make, it not makes sense. We would need a better defensive midfielder than Donny van der Beek, but he has the attributes to play in there. But unfortunately, he's just not playing. And it, the evidence that we have suggests Solskjaer is never going to play in there. And it, might, it would be interesting to be one of those sort of Amazon documentaries of how that signing came about because more and more news has sort of sort of surfaced and that Jack Grealish was the number one target. Um, United didn't go get him, so they gave him the second choice was Donny van der Beek. And you don't know how, if that has pissed Solskjaer off, if it's simply he didn't want him and it was a club signing. Um, to sort of appease the fans, it would be interesting. But we will get into three, two, ones, and it'll be interesting because last week was good. We had like five or six players, and we thought, okay, we'll have to dissect them. And some people are going to be sort of harsh to sort of unlucky to miss out on some points. But um, we're going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel. But what we will be doing um, every week, we even did it last year against Tottenham when we lost six one. We'll always find points to give to give to people just so it's fair at the end of the season. If someone does have a good performance on a bad day for the team. Um, they shouldn't be punished in regards to the three, two, one vote. So we will scrape the bottom of the barrel at times. I'll give the floor to you, Larry. I think there's maybe two candidates for three. I'm, I'm split um, for the three points. You go first. Um, I said something to you this morning. I'm actually going to deter from that, just because that's just the benefit of time. Just allows you to process it. I'm going to say Paul Pogba, man of the match. I thought he actually he actually had a really good game. And on another day, he scores a double. Like he, he actually he was head and shoulders United's best player. I, I think it's an easy one for three points. 
in re- regards, I think he's our best player. And when Paul Pogba plays well, he'll always be our best player. That's what his ability will bring. However, in terms of the way I would, and it's hard to argue, but I will argue it. My main reason being, in regards to the way we obviously do do the three two ones, Mason Greenwood got the goal. If he doesn't get that, and obviously Pogba got the assist, but obviously goals are win games. And if Mason Greenwood doesn't get that goal, we have a one nil loss. So it's an important goal. And then the other one would obviously be David De Gea. That big save at the end, while. It probably looks easy. It wasn't the greatest shot. I think it's very good positioning from Daya. Um, if he came out, he would have made the job a lot easier for the striker. So I think it's a very good sort of bit of goalkeeping. And one of the saves wasn't sort of an orthodox save from James Ward-Prowse, one of the free kicks. But again, it's a free kick from Ward-Prowse, so he had to do well to get to it, and he sort of punched it away. I think it even started a counterattack where Pogba really should have been playing Jaden Sancho through. So... Um, I'd be saying one of Greenwood or De Gea. But, um, yeah, I agree with you that Paul Pogba was our... Pogba was our best footballer on the day, no doubt. But I don't – well, if De Gea is not there, it's we lose the game. It's about the end game. result, right? Yeah, and, and and Mason Greenwood Mason was the best goal. goal. No, oh, no, oh, that's just, about – look, I think those three players in any order are definitely in my 3-2-1. So it's just a matter of what order you want to put them in. Look, I won't debate you too much. Um, look, if I was just to make a counter-argument, outside of the goal, Mason didn't look dangerous. Like, yes, he gets the goal, but I think if, if you flip it around – Pogba overall contributed to United's result. Um, that's the why. I'm, look, I, I'm leaning towards the Frenchman, but you give me the you give me the the benefit of the doubt most weeks, Tom. So I can give you this one. Well, we'll just go through some comments, and maybe if you can get your calculator calculator out, you can see who has the most um, most threes. Maybe I don't see Paul Pogba as the number three, so I think he's out of the the running for the three points. But just some of the comments: um, three, two, one. Jonathan has gone. De Gea for three, two for Greenwood, one for Pogba. George has gone three, Greenwood, two De Gea, one Pogba. Adam is, um, sorry, George has gone three for De Gea, two for Pogba, one for Greenwood. Elliot, good to see you, big fella. Three for De Gea, two for Pogba, one for Greenwood. Another Elliot, or doubling up on names today. Um, three for De Gea, Pogba, Greenwood, etc. So for me, just in the, the way the game panned out and how tense it got it towards the end, um, I'd be saying um, David De Gea. I think it was a big save at the end, and he did make one or two saves in this first half. Um, yeah. And then if, then if I'm saying that, I know you've been arguing for Pogba for three points, but if I'm just sort of edging De Gea for three points, I'd say Greenwood for two because the important goal. No, look, I've been swayed, and look, our clearly um, our our fans or our fans tuning in are saying like they're all saying three points for De Gea, and there's no argument there. I think when we always talk about the three two ones, we say. Who contributes most to the result? De Gea had crucial saves to make, if though, and particularly the Maguire mistake. If that goal goes in, I think that was good night for United. So, look, I think I, I've been swayed completely. I was going to say, be, be with you on Mason. Maybe De Gea for three points is the right call. Well, there was Wish one, and well, there was one with De Gea, which would have been very interesting. I know Adam, one of the, the listeners here, um, would definitely agree with me. If the result didn't go our, our way, it was late on in the game. The ball went into the box. It was a long ball by Southampton. And Lindelof was sort of shadowing out for a goal kick. And this pass came from really deep in the half, sort of 60 yards away. And it came all the way and trickled out for a goal kick. And Lindelof was sort of really wary of the ball sort of going over the goal. De Gea should have been out to come and get it. I think Lindelof ended up giving away a corner. I think it took a little touch off him. And if mm. Southampton ended up scoring off that corner, De Gea would have been on the transfer list, in my opinion. I was absolutely filthy with him. Obviously, the, the corner came to nothing. And um, luckily, De Gea, then you can sort of look that as a good performance. But, um, yeah, we'll go three points for De Gea, two for Greenwood, and one for Paul Pogba. 
Now, is there anything else you want to discuss? Obviously, tomorrow we'll have a Premier League video, so we'll wrap up sort of the Premier League stuff because there's a lot to discuss. Um, obviously, I don't know what to make of the Arsenal result. I'm so happy that they lost, and I got a little bit of enjoyment out of Arsenal fan TV today. But then, as you do mention, Chelsea are looking quite good, and that's not um, something I'm pleased with. Chelsea are looking good. If I had to choose a Premiership winner today, I'm, I'm putting money on Chelsea. They look strong. And the thing is, with City, I think they will measure success. And, of course, winning the Premier League is fantastic. Do it every season. I'd be equally as happy. I, I think what we'll see with Chelsea, they're motivated. Lukaku's got a point to prove, and I think that's that's a really big factor. And that's why I think he's going to be a hell of a signing. He, he's got a lot of doubters to prove wrong Lukaku. And he starts. He started bloody positively yesterday, mate. Um, City, they're going to measure success in winning the Champions League. I think that's their bread and butter this season. I think th they will look back. If they finish fifth and win the Champions League, they'll be buzzing. That's going to yeah. be success for them. So I, I think it's Chelsea's to lose. The depth of it, man. Like, we're debating a number six. Look at the depth Chelsea have in that position. They're stacked in midfield. I Like, yeah. that's the thing. It, Squad depth is really important. It's not about what your strongest 11 is. It's if Kante is not playing, Kovacic is playing. If, if if Mason Mount's not playing, Kai Havertz is playing, 90 million signing. They've got depth all over the place, so they're going to be hard to beat. Yeah. No, we'll just one comment here. Um, Trev's obviously seen the thumbnail for the episode, but honourable mention three <laughs> points of Fred, the Southampton, the Southampton oh. Brazilian in Fred. Um, Ryan is also David Hay kept us in the game. Maguire sloppy. Shaw had a shocker. Fred Matic just doesn't work. Marshall off the pace, but didn't have too much surf, um, too much service. Dust ourselves down, and go again. And um, I think that is the thing. Look, I share everyone's frustration. And if we we're recording this a couple of hours ago, especially right after full time, I could have been saying sack all the, could have been saying sell all the players. But I think you do need uh, draw away at Southampton while frustrating. It's not the end of the world. We're going to lose to far worse teams this year at Old Trafford. That, that'll happen. We're going to lose. We're going to have far more disappointing results. We're going to get knocked out of tournaments later on in this season. That will happen. But we're also going to have far better results this season and hopefully one that sort of culminates with a trophy sort of things, fingers crossed. So um, I understand everyone's sort of anger, which I share, but calm it down. We've had – it's going to get worse at times, but it will get better, obviously. So um, anything else to add before we do our sort of Premier League show tomorrow night? Can I ask you, I know it's only two games, but if you're picking between Maguire and Lindelof, Varane's coming into this starting 11, 100%. <clears throat> yeah, well, the answer, I know the question, the answer is exactly what you're thinking. At the moment, you have to say it's Victor Lindelof. It's Lindelof for me. It's Lindelof Varane. If if we're going off current form, like I love Maguire, but man, he's even in, in the Leeds match, he had moments of frailty. So he's got to lift his performance. Otherwise, I don't think his position's any certainty. Do you think, look, he still might be hungover from Greece. I remember when he came back after Greece that time. It but took him a while to get going. Yeah, well, it's always a, almost an August hangover he has sort of thing. So um, it, it will be interesting because, as I say, I think Varane does come in now. Um, I'm not sure if they'll have another game sort of thing, another behind-closed-doors games. But you assume uh, Rafael Varane will come in. But at the moment, if you are sort of to reward performances, it is Victor Lindelof. And I don't think Maguire's been woeful. It's just Lindelof has sort of done well and Maguire maybe sort of been... Instead of our 7 out of 10, he's been sort of a 5.5 out of 10 sort of thing. But again, I put that so much down to, and again, not to blame sort of other people for someone's bad performances, but our fullbacks are so important in terms of letting our back four play out of the back. And Luke Shaw, I don't think, helped Maguire and Lindelof in terms of the attacking part of the display. But um, 
Yeah. Hopefully everyone is enjoying the video. Make sure you do leave a like on the video to try and cheer us up because What's um, going on with this comment? Hey, Emad wants kisses. We'll have to save that for once we're 70% vaccinated, Emad. I'm not allowed to sneeze in my backyard at the moment. Yeah, well, I just took the dog for a walk and I walked past the tree. Now I'm, I'm glad I haven't sneezed. I was sneezing for the last half hour before we came on air. So I'm glad I haven't been sneezing all over everyone's screen. But um, I am due in for my first vaccine on uh, Wednesday. I work in a school and it's taken me six months to be eligible to get vaccinated. So um, happy days. Australian government treating people right. Yeah, so um, hopefully everyone has enjoyed that. <laughs> Again, it's not a it, – it, it's. I share everyone's frustration. It, it was a – it was a bad performance. It was a shocking performance. There's no hiding from that. But look, we got a point. We're above Man City, who are apparently going to go undefeated, and they've already lost the first game of the season. So it is not the end of the world. But Larry, I do. I wouldn't say I feel better, but I'm. I'm glad we had a chat to try and try and dissect the absolute shit show that did happen. You know what? I found a positive. Imagine you're in lockdown. So we're in lockdown now. Imagine you're in lockdown with Fred. Just picture that life and then remember how happy you are that you're not. He'd probably be someone you get along quite well. Everyone sort of loves – sort of, he's got, I've got a love-hate relationship with Fred. Like, you do love him. He's someone you sort of – he does look like a nice guy. Obviously, all the players do rave about him. But, um, yeah, I, thanks for putting that image in my mind. I'll try and get out. I was trying to get an early night's sleep tonight, but um, that's not going to happen. But um, well, so something good to look forward to next week, which we'll obviously discuss on the Premier League episode tomorrow. But um, – 9.30 on a Saturday night next week is Manchester City and Arsenal. So I'm making sure I go down to my local shops um, pre-match to um, get all my popcorn ready because Arsenal playing apparently are in the second round of the League Cup this week. They're playing West Brom. So, look, you assume they're probably going to get their first game, of the se- first win of the season against West Brom. But then next yeah. week they're up against Manchester City. And, look, we'll discuss this tomorrow, but just a quick one before we wrap up. They lose that heavily to Manchester City, which it's at, it's at the Etihad. So you can see yeah. a situation where Arsenal are going to win that four or five nil. That, that that very well could happen. He gets sacked next week, doesn't he? Yeah, in front of ten thousand fans at the Etihad. Yeah, I think uh, I think Arsenal. Are... Look, they're in they're in a real dogfight at the moment, mate. And if I'm being honest, I don't think it's far fetched to say Arsenal could be in a relegation battle. I'm being dead oh. serious. No, not the caliber, of player, not off the caliber of player, but look at look at the, like confidence is a funny thing. And that squad at the moment is very average. It's really lacking in experience. There's some good young kids there, but you can't you can't do young kids by themselves. You need experience around them, and they just got holes everywhere. Arsenal. They won't get relegated, of course they won't. But th- there's an argument to say they could be in a battle until December when they finally scrape a few wins. Well, so, so this comment from here, Elliot, can't say Arsenal scoring a goal for a few weeks, and that's the thing. They, once they go on, you assume they're not going to score against City. Obviously, they could, but if they don't score against City, they're going to go into this international break having not scored a goal. Obviously, they do have West Brom midweek in the second round of the League Cup, but um, we had to bring Arsenal in just to sort of lighten the mood. Obviously, United sort of absolutely killed our Monday, but um, when the chips are down like that, you do need to bring Arsenal into the conversation just to bring a smile back to your face. But um, hopefully everyone, as I said, did enjoy that episode. This episode will also be on your podcast app. So if you tuned in late and just want the audio-only version, um, it will go up on your podcast app. Um, thank you, everyone, for the support on there. Keeping um, subscribed on that. Make sure you're subscribed on a YouTube channel so you can obviously always join us live so you can join in the comments and um, your weekly therapy session, which I know a lot of you do appreciate. We definitely do need it. Um, Again, next week is Wolves. I'm never confident with Wolves. I know we won there. It was only a couple of games ago, last game of last season. But at the start of the season, I always pencil in a defeat away at Wolves. So I'm, I'm not looking forward to this weekend. But um, 
yeah, hopefully everyone got something out of the video tonight, Larry. Um, I feel a little bit better for it. Yeah, pleasure, mate. I'm glad seeing me makes you smile. And, uh, yeah, I'll catch you on Pro Clubs later. That should hopefully lighten the mood until we lose inevitably in that too. Yeah, well, if anyone has played in our Pro Clubs team, you do understand the challenges. Um, it sort of does come with playing Pro Clubs with Larry. Um, he thinks he is prime Cristiano Ronaldo when he gets the ball, and um, it's more like a Australian Fred, a Lebanese Fred. Um, it, it's just frustrating beyond belief. But um, hopefully everyone did get something out of that episode, and we'll chat to you tomorrow for our Premier League pub crawl. Cheers. <laughs>